0: You say it, because I'm I'm forgetting how to speak. I don't know what you're saying. Jerry's podcast.
1: Oh, you're just pointing at the microphone. (laughs) That's where Jerry is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, me. (laughs) Welcome to Totalus Rankium. This week... Hello and welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. I'm Rob. And I'm Jerry. <gasps>
1: it's a third person.
0: It's amazing.
1: It is. Our mystery guest is, of course, the wonderful Jerry from the Presidencies Podcast, who was just so fun to talk to you last time. He's back on the show. Hello, everyone. Right, okay. Um... It's our midpoint review. This is episode twenty-three. We are halfway through the presidents. Did you think we'd get there, Jamie?
0: I, no. This it, it seems really too early. I, I guess comparing it to Roman emperors, this is well nothing. We got forty-five presidents. We? Well, no, forty-four. Forty-four. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Good start. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, it's it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's been. Tricky at times, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um,
2: Speaking for the listeners, I can say that we've been enjoying listening. Oh, ah, thank you very
1: much. Oh. That's it's good. This is like instant listener feedback, aren't we? <laughs>
0: instant <laughs> validation. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So you might be wondering why? Why? What? What is this? What's going on in the midpoint review? So we've put a lot of thought and effort into this, haven't we, Jamie? Mm. And after a lot of deliberation, we have decided we're just going to have a bit of a chat about each of the rounds and where the presidents fit in those rounds. And to support us with that, we think we get a genuine real-life American to help us. Yeah, yeah, for when we're struggling to remember which one's which. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then uh, we've got listener questions. You guys have sent us loads of questions. Um, some fun, some serious, uh, some mathematical. I liked those ones. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so we're going to go through those. So, let's start. I think Sound Guy's needed. Okay. Statesmanship! Okay, statesmanship. Uh, I think this is our most traditional round in terms of looking at presidents and ranking them. Yeah. I think this is a... In my head, this was always the straightforward how good were they as a president.
0: We're basing on their presidency rather than their life. Yeah. Did we, you have to remind me, Do we count their pre presidency So if they held office, for example, like um, John
1: Quincy Adams did, who was Secretary
0: of State, did we...
1: <laughs> Yes, he was, Jamie. That was yeah. an impressive pulling out a fact there. Yeah. I, I like that. It's amazing what we can do with Wikipedia printed out in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia um, yeah, is no, our friend. We, is. <laughs> we have, uh, in the past, we have been judging on uh, not just their presidency, but what they have done for the country. Yes. Officially. It's is generally yeah. how, how we've gone for this. So, what we're going to do is we're just going to um, have a quick look at our top five. And see if if we think we're right. So, at the moment, as it stands, we have got, in fifth place, we have got Monroe. Oh, and coming in closely at number four, we've got Madison. Well, sort of. Because in joint second place... (gasps) Yeah, yeah, you see, look there. We've got Washington, Jefferson and Madison in joint second place, all on 17. And then we have the man himself, Abraham Lincoln. Turkey Gobbler. Yes, on 18. So, that is us officially saying that Lincoln, as a statesman, was better than Washington and Jefferson and Madison and Monroe. That's quite a bold statement. It is a bold statement, and I don't know how much people would agree with us. And this is where, instead of just idly speculating, we can turn to our genuine American and say, Jerry, do you agree? I actually do. And I think that
2: this gets to kind of, with the statesmanship category... With Lincoln, so much of his statesmanship is based on his presidency, whereas you see with Washington and Jefferson and Madison and even Monroe, they had these extensive careers before getting to the presidency and in some cases a little bit after. But with Lincoln, I think just what he was able to achieve as president He faced a situation unlike anything that his predecessors and even arguably his successors have faced. The nation disintegrated. The nation came apart, and it was up to him to figure out how to bring it back together. And for that alone, I think that you're right in ranking him up as the highest. And likewise, many historians
1: of presidential
2: history have done the same.
1: I'm not going to lie, I'm slightly disappointed in us. Because it is the boring answer. <laughs> like, it's Lincoln. And I was kind of hoping for something different. I, but I did think, uh, going into this, oh, well, it's, he won the Civil War and then he got killed, so obviously he, he's going to be seen as brilliant. But then I got to the point where I thought, well, what if he hadn't won the Civil War? Mm. What, what if the South would win? It's like You know what, I'd still be impressed with him.
3: Because it, yeah. it wasn't
1: just the the winning of the Civil War; it's the way he managed to uh, hold the Republican Party together and the the Democrats that were around. Still, uh, it was genuinely politically impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, eighteen out of twenties, pretty much top marks. What do you think, Jerry? I mean, uh, w- would you give Lincoln twenty, or would you err uh, more towards the eighteen, seventeen sort of mark? I would probably. I would probably aim more towards like the eighteen,
2: uh, maybe nineteen mark, just because I think that I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect score. Um, yeah. yeah. And and part of that is because, and speaking as an American, we approach the presidency in as a reflection of our our hopes and our ideals. And nobody's ever really going to live up to that, you know. We we all have this idea of what the presidency should be, and and that's different for everybody. So I don't know that we're ever going to get to that perfect statesman. But yeah, Lincoln comes very very close, and and especially um, to your point, Rob, that. You know, he, he not only worked to bring the nation back together, but he also had to be a party leader. He had to keep the Republicans together, and he had to help to attract uh, people who were on the Democratic side, but not necessarily secessionists, not you know, wanting to support the effort. And you see that with his choice of Andrew Johnson as his running mate in 1864, trying to appeal to, to that group. It, it was challenging. And I almost wonder, because you see with some of the folks who came right before Lincoln, Buchanan, um, Pierce had been in politics before, uh, Polk had been heavily involved in politics. And you wonder if it had been somebody who had that extensive history, if they really would have been able to do what Lincoln did, if his being an outsider helped him in some respects.
1: Interesting talking about the presidents that surround Lincoln, uh, because this uh, leads us perfectly into who's at the bottom of this round. <laughs> uh, because we've got in joint 17th place uh, Garfield, Fillmore, and I'm afraid to say Harrison. I know that pains you. But then in 20th place we've got Pierce with a single point. And then in joint last place we have the two men who sat either side of Lincoln. We've got Buchanan and Johnson, they didn't get a single point. Uh, it does make me wonder how much uh, is Lincoln praised because he's surrounded by these, let's be polite, not very good presidents, but, and also how much are Buchanan and Johnson vilified because they are sandwiching Lincoln, which is an interesting sentence. With
2: Buchanan and Johnson, again, you see these people with pretty extensive careers that were also very divisive. Um, Buchanan alone was on paper one of the best qualified people to come to the presidency. He had this extensive career. He had mm. worked um, in various roles as uh, U.S. minister to Britain, as secretary of state. He had this wealth of knowledge and, and had been involved in politics for decades, but the nation fell apart under him. He wasn't able, and, and not only fell apart, his cabinet some of his cabinet members were actually helping in that effort yes
1: <laughs> yeah and
2: so i i i think i think they definitely and and you see with both of them they typically when historians are asked they typically show up at the very bottom and i think for that reason because they were they were so divisive and this idea of the presidency being something being an office that brings people together they were the exact opposite of that.
1: Yeah. So I, I I think, as this is our most traditional round, I think it makes sense that we have a list here that is uh, fairly typical, fairly standard. I, I imagine so. people who know their American history would have been able to predict the broad strokes of what we've done here. But then we go on to our next round, where things are a bit different. This
0: so, great. Great.
1: so in fifth place is Grant... Harrison and Van Buren, with only minus four apiece. That's respectable, out of minus 20. We've got uh, three joint second places. We've got Adams, John Quincy Adams, and Lincoln. Pretty good for the Adams family there. And then, obviously, number one, I'm still not 100% certain this is correct, uh, but it's Hayes getting zero because he is such a happy man. He's a lollipop, isn't he? He is, and uh, apparently, as far as I can tell, he never did anything wrong. But it would not surprise me if I just missed something. Can, um, can
2: I just say I'm so glad that y'all enjoyed Hayes so much. Uh, when we when we talked the last time, I think I mentioned that Hayes was one that you could look forward to.
1: And so I was very glad that that prediction proved to be correct. It, w- it was an interesting one researching Hayes. I genuinely, uh, one of the hardest points in doing this entire podcast was starting to research Hayes. I, I got about three or four days into looking into his life, and it's like, how how do we make his life in any way interesting? And then I started reading his diaries, and I was like, <laughs> oh, this is amazing. <laughs> and now he is probably my favourite president. So, um, yeah, no, that's really good. Um, I don't know, have you ever come across anything that you think means Hayes should have picked up a point or two? Were we too kind on him just because we loved how ridiculously optimistic he was? <laughs>
2: I actually don't think so. Hayes is one that's always fascinated me. And and as I was going through, because I, I did a project where I read a biography of each president from the beginning, when I got to Hayes, again, he's one that even most Americans don't know much about. And so I didn't know much about him. But the more I read, the more interested I got in him. And the fact that the only way that he's really known nowadays, if at all, is for the election of 1876 and all the controversy about that. But you see in him this president who comes to office under this cloud and really works for four years to try and prove himself and prove that the nation can trust him again. And it succeeds. You know, the fact that Garfield was elected in 1880 is a testament and elected, without question, is a testament to how much Hayes was able to do to restore confidence in himself during his four years
1: and in, in the party and in the institution of the presidency. We talk, we talk about um, hidden gems uh, a lot mm-hmm. in the Roman Emperor series. Uh, I think Hayes is the the hidden gem in the presidency yeah, so far. I think,
0: so I think it's also fair to say he's not really known,
1: certainly in the UK. Oh, not at all in the UK whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of him. No, and I'm also, I'm guessing I'm not too far off from saying the average American probably wouldn't really know much about him either. Absolutely not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so, uh, well done, Hayes. You are our least disgraceful president, which is great. Uh, Now we go to the other end of the list. Um... And again, in the Roman series, this is just fun, but it just stops becoming fun in this series. <laughs> yeah. Because you just get a group of people that you'd really rather not spend any time with. In 19th place, we have Andrew Johnson. Oh, joint with Tyler. Yeah. Uh 20th place, we have Cleveland. Yeah, so very recently done. Uh, in 21st place, Buchanan. Oh, and in 22nd place, he's the man. He's Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a full... Full marks minus 20 for Jackson. Uh, thoughts on that? Have we been too harsh on anyone there? Or, or, or have we been too too nice on them?
2: I think these are pretty fair scores. And especially Andrew Jackson is one that, in terms of my podcast, I'm almost dreading getting to mm-hmm. because yeah. I've read so much about him over the years and I just, I don't like him yeah uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the the only the only lighthearted part of it is you know all the duels that he had and and the assassination yeah. attempt where he ended up beating the guy with the cane but even that mm, it's yeah. just like he, you he's just <laughs> th-
1: this is this is a very violent and <laughs> awful man <laughs> yeah yeah it's um he's an interesting character i'll give him that He is Uh, definitely a character. And he clearly stood for things. Um, And some (laughs) of those things you can admire. He he fully believed in a democracy that wasn't just for the elite, to an extent. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that's good. Uh, Certainly for the time, that was good. But then there are other things about him that you just go, no, Jackson. Um, And then it, it always comes back to it in my mind. The four step marches oh, because yes. as soon as you get four step marches, I mean, it just tips it over. Uh, I I don't see how he could not have got four marks in this round. You see,
2: people like Cleveland um, again, somebody who's not well known, but then you start digging into, and and especially with his personal life. I mean, it's it is very disgraceful. Um, yeah. Tyler, again, you know. It's almost a mix of his personal life as well as um, his political life. Ending up basically endorsing the Confederacy, becoming a part of the Confederacy government—disgraceful. Andrew Johnson and Buchanan as well. And it it does become a mix of you know how much how much do you count the personal versus the professional? But I think that it's justified in judging both in that it, it bleeds over. You know, if, if somebody is not a kind person in their personal life, then how do you think that they're going to approach their
1: professional life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Jamie, any more thoughts on disgrace before we move on?
0: I was think about Jack was, was Calhoun around at the same time as Jackson?
1: Yes.
2: He was around the same time as Jackson. Yeah. Do you right. not
1: remember the toast off?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking now, were they
0: the same person? <laughs>
1: No, but uh, but they were the perfect foils for each other. Uh, It is um, one of the main things I like about that time in history is uh, it's the time in American history where it most feels like you're reading about characters rather than actual people. Uh, And I do like getting presidents and making them seem like real people because they were real people. But when you've got Jackson and Calhoun going against each other, it... As an element of comic book starting, <laughs> yeah. which I, I quite like, and and to be fair to
2: to Jackson, that's one of the few redeeming qualities that he has is that he
1: he <laughs> so opposed John C. Calhoun.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which again, Edge Jackson is an interesting character. You can't help but be drawn to him. He was a rabbit lover. Who Calhoun? Yeah. No, no, Jackson. No. Yeah, Jackson. That would make sense. Yeah, so many rabbits.
3: Oh,
1: oh. so little time. <laughs> You, you can see why Jackson's a name that people remember. I would debate whether he's remembered for the right reasons, though, sometimes. But that leads us quite nicely, seeing as a segue here, to Silver Screen.
0: Silver Screen.
1: Because our number one for Jackson, cancelling out the minus 20 for, for yeah. disgrace gate, is his full marks for Silver Screen, the only person to get full marks in this category.
0: Yeah.
1: What is he? As despicable,
0: as vile, as horrendous as he as he was... It was interesting. You'd, you'd make a fantastic HBO
1: series, his life. You've got the the, the beginnings of his life where he is uh, struck round the face by a British officer. Oh yeah, scarring him. Um, his whole family dying.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, of the Lurgy, I think <laughs> it was, if I remember correctly. Uh, that's cooties uh, then, and if you're American. Then, then like you said earlier, Jerry, the the jewels do make it interesting. His whole life story is punctuated by these short, horrific, violent acts uh, that are just about long enough ago for you to get a bit interested and excited about rather than horrified. <laughs> um, exactly.
2: And and it's, it's fascinating to me, um, the fact that there's been a John Adams miniseries and not one on Andrew Jackson. I mean, I, mm. I, I've got to think that somebody in Hollywood has thought, you know, how do we bring Jackson to the silver screen? He seems like the perfect character and especially in an, an, almost an anti-hero that
0: <laughs> people would be interested in it'd be, it'd be so tricky though to make him likable i think even though you've got the distance of time like just the death marches alone you couldn't look <laughs> at him and go oh there's a, there's a card oh, i mean you you
1: wouldn't necessarily need to make him likable though you just oh, have well, to make true. him but if you want to make the
0: character like your lead characters are often quite relatable, aren't they? Or yeah. You can kind of see an ounce of goodness in them.
2: Yeah. And and I think that may be where his relationship with Rachel comes in. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, yeah. you see the that he has this soft side of him. And I think that may be a point where people can start to relate, but I think you really do have to portray him as an anti-hero, as somebody who you... ha- isn't really likable but it's interesting. Like Dexter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, the, the fact that, I mean, again, go, going back to Calhoun, it's like, who's the obvious villain in Jackson's story? Well, it's, it's essentially Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just somebody else who is, uh, just equally reprehensible in so many ways. Um, but anyway, I I I can't disagree with my past self. I think he deserves the 20 marks for just being a fascinating character in history. Yeah. Uh, whether anyone will ever make a series about him, I don't know if it's possible, but I would watch it. I know that for sure.
0: Well, if we keep those donations coming in, you never know.
1: <laughs> we could do one, couldn't <laughs> yeah. we? Sock puppets. Yeah. Okay, uh, that that can be our one million download special. <laughs> Stop puppet video on Jackson's life. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. That's, that's a guarantee. That's not a guarantee. Uh, number two, joint number two, uh, Washington and John Quincy Adams. I believe we, we talked about John Quincy Adams and why we've given him too many points last time mm. uh, that we talked to you, Jerry, if I'm remembering correctly. Because every time I look at that, I go, oh, is that too high? But then I just remember all the stuff that he did—he going around Europe and going all to the fancy balls and everything. I, I, I like John Quincy Adams,
0: and he, even absolutely. the
1: more mundane stuff like uh, the, him being a lawyer in his younger years. <laughs> was that just out of the blue, there, Jeremy? Are you just just hedging your bets. There no, I watched I watched the show.
0: <laughs> so I, I know. Well, he got the guy off after killing.
1: Of course, you've seen the, yeah. his, his father's miniseries, yeah, haven't Plus you? Plus, I listened to the recording. Oh, of course, you also listened yeah. to the recording. Uh, yeah.
2: Well, and, and, and John Quincy, I, I think he's one of the presidents that people know the name, but don't really know much about him. But once they start learning yeah. about him, I've heard more people, you know, talk about how interesting he is, how fascinating he is, how they're kind of drawn into his story. So I think that I think that is justified having him up at the top. And likewise, you see Washington up there and of course Washington's got to be up there. His his life is this epic. But the problem with Washington and the problem of getting him to the big screen is the monument of Washington, this idea of Washington just being this almost deity in American history. And for me, the more, more interesting parts of Washington's life are times that he wasn't so great that he really does reveal his humanity. And I think that that would make a great translation, but I really think you have to do that and avoid this, this idolatry, this this worship of Washington and and
1: yeah. it the
2: story just isn't as interesting.
1: Yeah, um, I it was fascinating finally getting to learn about this name, who's just such a big name. The thing that's always stuck with me with Washington is, uh, like you say, his story is amazing. But him as a person, he just seems so boring. <laughs> <laughs> he had a fascinating, interesting life, but you know, if you were going around to to visit him, he'd just be talking about crop rotation. Uh, he'd be talking to you but you could tell that he just wants you to go away now uh, because he's got stuff to do and yeah I I wasn't quite expecting such a a stubborn man who just had a sense of what he should be doing Uh, I I was expecting more charisma um, from the founding father of america we've been spoiled by hollywood haven't we yeah i think so uh, but i like that fact yeah i like that washington was like that
2: yeah, yeah. exactly um, and and to me that would be a more interesting story you know seeing this person who is such a public figure who can't you know at a time that and and we can't really think of this nowadays we think of knowing so many famous figures and knowing what they look like people didn't necessarily know what you know, John Adams or Thomas Jefferson looked like, but they knew Washington because Washington's likeness was all over the place. And mm. so he was trapped in in what we think of in the twentieth century and twenty first century, um, th- this idea of of a, a star. He couldn't travel anywhere without anybody, everybody knowing who he was. But he rejected that. He, he didn't want that pomp and circumstance. He, he saw himself as being a simple person. He wanted to go and plant a new barn for Mount Vernon. He wanted, to, like you said, talk about crop rotation. He didn't necessarily want the, the fame and the glory. And I think that that, that that tension, that would be an interesting story and an interesting movie.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite stories of Washington, and there are a lot, but uh, the one that sticks in my memory is uh, when he changed the signposts to his house so people would get lost if they were trying to get to Mount Vernon. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Because he was so sick and tired of people just turning up. That
2: exactly. And, and and especially turn up and he would have to, you know, they'd they be lodging there, he'd have to feed them. You know, you'd get sick of that. yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: He almost seems like, because um, I have a memory of what when when he like before he was put in charge of the army. That's what he really wanted, where he you know he had his own uniform, yeah, made yes. his own
1: medals, <laughs> that sort of thing. But he wanted that <laughs> I'm glory. Not entirely convinced that that Little last past t- Oh no, yeah, yeah you're right. Medal, sorry, I just forgot. Yeah, uh, okay. and then
0: he sort of uh, did all that, had the glory, and yeah, just got a bit sick of it and thought, oh, I don't. This isn't what it's cracked up to be anymore.
2: Exactly, He's and 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 that's that's. You know, one of those fascinating stories, you know, you, you know, be careful what you wish for. You you yeah. got the glory
1: and now you can't go to dinner by yourself. You've <laughs> yeah. got to feed yeah.
2: 20 people.
1: All right. And then we get to the other end of silver screen. Uh, when I was compiling uh, this list, uh, if you're listening, I've just put a little uh, table of the top and the bottom of the list so we can read them. And I, I was putting this together and we've got, I'll just read out the names, Arthur, Bambioran, Hayes, Tyler, Fillmore and Polk. And as I was doing it, I was thinking to myself, its I, I'm struggling to remember like the life yeah. story of Polk and Fillmore. Yeah. But then I realised that's the point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. why they're there in this round. Because they just were not that interesting lives. So no. Not everyone can have an interesting life where you start a world war and then go on to lead a revolution. And Polk certainly didn't do that. Nope. But, I don't know, have we been unfair on these people? Do you think maybe they are more film-worthy?
2: I think that Arthur and Van Buren are probably a little more interesting. But you do get to Polk, and and that's the thing. Polk was a workaholic. I mean, how are you going to fill up, you know, two hours with him, you know, scribbling notes and (laughs) writing letters and having meetings it it just are, are presiding over the the house when he was speaker there's just not that that draw to him and i think in terms of his life polk is is more known for his achievements you know what yeah. he was able to achieve in 4 years and and the fact that he was able to come in with a clear agenda and accomplish everything but in terms of
1: his life it's Not really that interesting of a story. No, no, I think we're fair here. No one's rushing off to watch the Polk film. No, no, No. in cinemas this summer. Okay, right. Well, uh, we've got one more round to talk about. Yeah, Uh, and it says silver screen in my notes, but it shouldn't. It should be. (laughs) Okay, so I mean, it's difficult to say what this is. This round. I mean, we could argue, but it is us judging the uh, artistic merits of the oil portraits. Yeah. Um, but it's also us just deciding how hot they are slash do they have a beard.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, take your pick, really. It's just how we're feeling when we're... What's the feel we get, yeah, isn't it, it is when we look at those pictures? The most
0: subjective round, as there is no facts in this at all.
1: No. In joint fifth place, we've got Garfield and Hayes. Mm. Uh, they score highly and let's be honest here because they've got beards. Oh of course, yeah yeah. yeah. Uh they've got impressive beards. I think uh I think I prefer Hayes's. I think Hayes has a nicer, longer beard.
0: Yeah. joint um, uh, second we've got Fillmore, Taylor and Lincoln. Lincoln's got that um funny little beard thing.
1: Chin, yeah. chin beard chin strap I, Lincoln's portrait is just so iconic oh yeah um, and that pose is in two different paintings and uh, as for Taylor and Fillmore uh, I can't really remember why we scored those ones so highly because also it's like the, the
0: do, do they look presidential does it, does it match yeah. their story as well so maybe they just yeah that that
1: looks like Taylor yeah Taylor, if you remember, had his uh, military... Yes. Uh, and he, there was a Mexican city in the background, probably on fire, uh, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Burning children in the background. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, it's Fillmore's. I, I just can't really remember why we liked Fillmore's painting that much. No, I don't know. No. I don't if know. If it's, it's good,
0: though.
2: If it's the one that I'm thinking of, I think it, it does have a good amount of colour, and, and he does look very presidential in it. But... It's
1: interesting to note with Taylor and Fillmore, no beards. No, no beards. And they've managed to get quite high there. Mm. They have. But then we've got the number one place. I mean, it's, it goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, you can't have sideburns that impressive and not score highly in this <laughs> round. Oh, yeah. Because Chester Arthur comes number one, <laughs> um, which I don't know, might surprise some people. Because we're definitely in the uh large and hairy phase of American presidents <laughs> and usually they're not rated as like high up in the uh, uh good looking presidents <laughs> what is it the, the, not the golden age what's this called the, age, the gilded age the Gilded age yeah uh, well that be why yeah well yes yeah. exactly quite literally the fat cats <laughs> yeah that's what's going on there um I know were were we too kind on Arthur and his chops?
2: I don't think so, because Arthur, you know, even though this is the, the, the bearded, gilded age, um, Arthur is very distinctive. He has this distinctive look about him. And so I, I think that he is deserving of this. And honestly, this will probably be the only category that he'll ever rank highly in. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> he does have that distinctive look that I think
1: really stands out. So I'll say this for Arthur. I really enjoyed researching him. He is one of my favourite presidents to, to look into. Uh, he was, in many ways, awful. Uh, but, in a way, you've kind of got to grudgingly respect someone who's just going to sit in front of the press at a party and openly brag about cheating the election. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wow, that's that's really bad. But, well, yeah, no, he just he just went ahead and did it. People we didn't like the, uh, the look of... Number 19 is Adams. It just wasn't a good portrait. No, I, can't, I can't even remember it. it it's, it's just. Uh, he looks slightly sad. Oh, no, I do remember it. was it's, it's shocked one, wasn't he? and. Yeah. But it's
0: dull. Yeah. I just... think we thought it was a copy of the first as well. Was it no originality in there? Uh... No,
1: it was quite different from the first. Oh, was it? Yeah. I can't remember. That was a brave attempt, though. <laughs> I, I tried. <laughs> Yeah, no, you remember Washington's got the whole Roman thing going on. Oh, we've got yes. yeah, the yeah, the Adams one is him just sort of like looking and it's just black and if I'm remembering that correctly. Um then we got Johnson. Um there was nothing special about his. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say Harrison's down here uh because again I know this pains you. Um <laughs> but I, he just wasn't a strong look. It looked like a, a gust of wind in a 3-hour speech would knock him over. <laughs>
2: Well, and and the sad thing about so many of these presidential portraits, it's just, you know, head and shoulders in front of a, you know, black or plain background. And it it, it, there's not really anything special about some of these these official portraits. And especially like with Harrison, he has better portraits. But that was that was how his (laughs) official portrait ended up. And and that's how you got to rank him. Yeah, you've got to go
0: with the official. Do you think he was disappointed by it? Uh, Did you think, like, oh, I can imagine, like, 200 years, people rating this and just being really, you know, me not scoring well.
2: Well, luckily, by the time, I say luckily, um, <laughs> but by, <laughs> by, by the time the portrait was painted, he wasn't really worrying about much of anything.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, silver lining. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> that's probably his last thought, was, I don't need to worry just in case there's a bad portrait of it, which is judged in 150-odd years' time. Yeah. I so, will yeah, not cool. know it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, of course, the very worst one... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did see this uh, portrait again recently, and it made me laugh. Uh, is Buchanan's, which honestly looks half-finished. It really does look like someone when... Ah, oh, you know what? I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> he was awful. I don't want to paint a picture of this man. Get the paint roller out. <laughs> yeah. It's just, a, it, I think it maybe it's just aged badly. Uh, but uh, we've got some interesting ones coming up, though. See, I'm not going to ruin anything for Jamie, because I certainly don't have the pictures here. Uh, but I, I know of a couple coming up that I really like. Do you? Have you got any that you know of that you think will score highly?
2: I'm thinking that TR is probably going to score pretty high. Um, yeah. if if it's the portrait that I'm thinking of it's very
1: distinctive and it's it the one really... way is grabbing hold of the banister yes Yeah. yeah. oh it's it... a topless one isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ruining it for you Jamie no, okay. I'm not but this is a Teddy so possibly no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really gets at his character and it, it it's how he would like to be portrayed so I, I think that one will score very
1: high yeah, I agree. That one, uh, I think JFK is going to score highly in this one. Oh, event. yes. And I will be interested to see how Jamie uh, takes to Obama's.
0: Yeah, I, I remember about it. So that's, that's more modernistic, isn't it?
1: It's, it's more very different. In, yes. Not
0: quite impressionist, but very yeah, different.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a very different style. See, I'll like that. Ah, yeah, oh, well, I'll get there at some point. So, total scores then. Here we go. Um... Let's do the bottom first. Who are the worst, least interesting? If you had to choose someone not to look into, who would you skip kind of precedence? Well,
0: coming uh, out of 22 so far. Yeah. Coming in at 18 is Cleveland. At 19, Fillmore. 20 is Buchanan. 21,
1: Tyler. And 22 is Andrew Johnson. Yeah. Huh. Buchanan, Tyler, and Johnson all scoring negative points. Yeah. <laughs> we are saying that the United States genuinely would have been better off had they not have <laughs> existed. <laughs> I look at that list and I go, I would not want to have a beer with any of them. <laughs> so I'm yeah. happy they're down there. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'd agree with
2: that. Yeah, and, and, and in terms of you know, how rankings typically end up, that's pretty much where all of them do end
1: up so i think that's a fair assessment good good right okay then. who's really good though who did we take to
0: well number 10 is van buren
1: yeah i, I did like van buren yeah i liked all the fact that in, he was in the background i like the fact yeah. that in my head he created the democrat party <laughs> and everyone in the world seems to think it was jackson mm. i was like no no it's van buren mm. he's working away in the background
0: And that was the most fascinating thing about him. He was, yeah, like you said, background worker. Yeah, yeah. Behind the scenes, making deals, conversationalist.
1: Yeah, no, I liked it. I liked his story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number nine, we've got Adams. Um, He's in the top ten. There you go. I don't think we've been too harsh to Adams. I know a lot of people like Adams, but... Well, and, and
2: having done the series on Adams, I think that he really doesn't get enough credit, and especially in terms of his presidency. With Van Buren, if you if you look at his presidency alone, it's really not great, and you can see why he usually ends up somewhere in the the middle of the pack. With Adams, I think that he needs a little more credit. You know, at the time, there was the push for war with France, and... Adam said, "That's ridiculous. You know, we're not in any position to be able to do that. We need to try and pursue diplomacy. Mm. You know, not give away the farm, but at the same time, go ahead and and try and see what we can do in terms of finding an amicable diplomatic solution." And he was opposed. He had to face down his own cabinet. Um, Also, just giving him a little credit, you know, he came after George Washington. That's not going to be an easy (laughs) place for anybody to be. And I think that he approached the office in
1: a way that is
2: very admirable.
1: So would you have given him an American? Because Van Buren and Adams are the only two in the top ten who don't get an American. Do you think we were too harsh there? I probably would have given him an American.
3: Yeah?
0: Was it Adams that... Co-wrote or partly wrote that is it the Bill of Rights or the Constitution or something? He actually wrote it, didn't he? No, oh, no, okay. that that was um, <laughs> Madison.
1: That? Madison, yes. Uh, yes. yes. And then Sorry. you got Jefferson, Declaration of Independence. And... Madison, who's number 5th? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Five, yeah. They're, they're, they're in there, don't worry. Yeah. they're in there. Yeah. So Van Buren, by the way, is on seventeen point two five. Adams is on nineteen. Then in number eight, Hayes on nineteen point seven five. Um, I think he just scores highly because we like him so much. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Number seven is Jefferson, 23.5. I I still struggle with Jefferson. He was a very important person to the founding of America. I agree with that, but Mm. I just didn't ever take to him. I didn't like him. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
2: And especially in the last 30, 40 years, historians have struggled with Jefferson because there is so much that's to be as as kind as I can be, it's it's not honorable. It's it's you know, you look at his his views about race, you look at yeah. the way that he remained a slave owner, even though he said that, you know, this this is abhorrent, da 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 da. But he never he never put himself in a position to be able to divest himself of that and mm-hmm. and to be able to set up the people that he enslaved to be free also you look at the his relations with his family you look at his relations with women and there's so much not to like but at the same yeah. time he is this pivotal figure in American history he he was in many ways the the dreamer of America he wasn't always realistic about what he felt could be the future, but he also had big dreams and and he did feel at least for white men that everybody should have a say in the government, that everybody should be involved in in our government. And that carries forward and has been expanded so far and and that's a legacy also to remember of Jefferson besides just the, the bad stuff, that he did inspire things that, even to this day,
1: are the best of America. Mm. Yeah. It, in that way, he reminds me of Jackson a lot, because he was an important figure, but important doesn't necessarily mean good. Absolutely. Um, Right, then we get quite a jump from seventh place to sixth place because oh, wow, the yeah. score goes from twenty three point five all the way up to thirty one point five. Monroe. Um and in fact we we get the two together who are often lumped together, Monroe and Madison. Monroe in sixth and then Madison in fifth. Well and, and here's kind
2: of where you get to um like you were saying with Van Buren and the Democratic Party, really the, the Jeffersonians would not have been what they became if not for Madison and Monroe. They were, in many ways, acting behind the scenes and and doing some of the work that Jefferson wouldn't. You know, it was Madison that was, well, and Monroe, too, who were writing the articles, um, defending their policies, attacking the Federalists. You know, they really provided that that base of support
1: that Helped to propel Jefferson to what he became. Okay, number four, Grant. Um, I'll admit, I think this is a bit too high in retrospect. Yeah. I think, and I think this is the only president where I, since doing it, I've gone, I'm not sure I did that right. Where well, he got the book, his points
0: from Silver Screen.
1: Well, yeah, that's it. Um, because Grant was winning the Civil War and literally out there fighting the fights. Mm. I think I got too wrapped up in that in his episodes, and not enough on his presidency. I think I would be harsher now, knowing more about the Gilded Age and the fact that Grant's administration essentially ushered in the Gilded Age. Mm. Uh, I think I might be a bit harsher on him in his uh, statesmanship, which if I am double-check 14, yeah, you see, I think I would not score him quite as high now. But, like you say, he got most of his score in Silver Screen.
0: And it is a fascinating story. Yeah,
1: he's definitely getting a high silver screen (laughs)
2: score. And I think that that's... With Grant, so many people think of Grant the General. They think of Grant as the the guy who won the Civil War. And his presidency really doesn't get that much, much attention. And in terms of his presidency, it wasn't necessarily that he didn't approach the presidency well it was that he brought on people who were completely untrustworthy and were doing everything they could to benefit themselves, to exploit the system. And, but that has to play into your thoughts on him and on his presidency. You know, why did, why did he choose these corrupt people and put them in power and in some cases defend them? You know, that, that, has to draw him down a bit. Now, there were some good people in his administration, and um, one of the more admirable things about his administration is that the um, the Justice Department, the Attorney General, pursued um, the Ku Klux Klan, because this was yeah. the point where the Ku Klux Klan was really starting to gain prominence and and gain power, and they did work to prosecute those individuals, um, and try and, and quell some of that. But again, this is where the Gilded Age really gets kicked off. You've got these people in prominent positions who are just abusing the system and Grant does have to be held to account for that. And I think in some ways in his lifetime, he was held to account for that. The fact that he, um, sought the
1: third term and was denied it. Mm Yeah, if I was just drawing this list from scratch, I think I'd knock him down a peg or two. Right, well, um, let's move on to our top three. Three we've already talked about a bit before, Mm. so we probably don't need to dwell on these too much. But, in third place... John Quincy Adams. Which uh, I think might surprise some people. I don't think many people would think of John Quincy Adams as being so high. But then, we get the obvious two. It's just a question of which order these two would have been in, I think. (laughs) Um, Although, I mean, looking at the scores, John Quincy Adams on 35.25. Washington's not that far ahead on 37. No, he's only... He's not, like, running away with it. 1.75 away. Yeah, so we've got Washington in second place, and then Lincoln in a a very pleasingly round 40 points. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm happy with Lincoln being on number one. Lincoln is not as perfect as some people make him out to be, but no. there was a lot good about Lincoln, so I'm, I'm happy with him being number one at the moment. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, he had a good story. He had the, the, the pressure of the Civil War, which is, you know, I think if any half-decent president would have been around at the time, would probably get a very similar score. Cause well, I, I, I do
1: like the stories about him just poring over maps, deciding yeah. to learn exactly how this war thing should happen. So methodical. And then he just kept sending out orders and then being completely ignored, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just getting so frustrated by it. Uh, yeah, no, I liked that. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to choose between Washington and Lincoln, then in, in this very vague, not who's best, but just who is more interesting, who, who would you go for?
2: Absolutely. I think that Lincoln deserves to be at that top spot. If for nothing else, you, you get the stories of Lincoln popping in at you know, the telegraph office and starting to tell one of his tales yeah, and yeah. <laughs> you get a, a little more sense of, he has a complex personality. He's got so much on his shoulders, but he's still kind to people and still, mm-hmm. still talking with people, still trying to establish that personal connection that you just, you don't get from Washington.
1: Washington wanted to be, Left alone, you know. Yeah. He, he Lincoln's got that charisma that I was expecting in Washington. Exactly. Uh, I was expecting the charisma in Lincoln, and I found it. What I wasn't expecting was the the depression and the mental health issues. Yeah, yes, that was very interesting. Uh, but that just makes him even more interesting to learn about. He has Absolutely. Boring
0: stories as well. <laughs>
1: I think his stories weren't necessarily boring. People just got fed up of hearing stories when they were meant to be planning the
0: war. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. It's like, we're a bit busy, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: well,
2: and, and have you seen the uh, the Lincoln movie that came out a few years back?
0: yes Yes.
1: yeah although not since uh doing the podcast so Mm uh i'd I'd be fascinated to watch it now because i'd actually know who people were um, exactly (laughs) and exactly where they'd come from
2: you've got this one point where lincoln starts to go into one of his stories and i believe it's edwin stanton who is just like oh no not another story and runs out
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Right, okay, so we're halfway. Lincoln's top, Washington's second, John Quincy Adams' third. Do you think those top three are going to change? I'm thinking John
2: Quincy Adams will probably go further down. It'll be interesting to see if Washington stays second. I'm Ooh. imagining that mm-hmm. Lincoln will probably stay first.
0: Who do you think might take uh, Washington's space? I think I know who you're thinking, but go on. There are a few possible contenders. So McKinley. Well,
2: <laughs> Probably not. Oh, I was compared to him by one of my listeners, so that's why I was, just, I was hoping. I'm was, I was hopeful. I, that's going to be an interesting two two episodes to listen to. um <laughs> Yeah. Great. <laughs> oh <dear. Right. laughs> well, look forward but to that. When when you look at um, historical rankings, you typically see up towards the top. Um, FDR is usually up there. Um, JFK is usually pretty high. Um, I'll be interested to see what you think of
1: Truman. Um, TR is usually towards the top. Yeah, that, that's the one I was thinking yeah. of. Um, I'm seeing silver score screens going well for him. Oh, yes. Uh, right. Okay, well, we will see. Okay, so that's our how, that's how look. Look back on how we're doing. Um, so now, we're, we're just going to take some questions. You guys have sent in loads of questions. Uh, I, I sent on Twitter and Facebook any questions for us, and we've got loads. Far too many to go through all of them, probably. At random, we're, we'll pick some questions. Uh, mm. We're going to start with Morgan McCreary. Of all the things thus far... <laughs> <laughs> is is that a definite way that Morgan speaks? Yeah, I'm an accent for each question, how's that? <laughs> That is but Different region of America. There's only one region of America, surely. <laughs> Southern. <laughs>
0: that's all we can do. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right, damn. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I'll do regions of Britain. Of all the ones thus far, which one would you each... No. Goodness sake, this, this is harder than it looks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah this is why I stumble all the time. <laughs> of all the ones thus far, which one would each of you actually enjoy sitting down and talking to? Uh, I'm going to say...
1: Do you know what? I'd love a chat with uh, Van Buren. Yeah, yeah, Van Van Buren would be interesting. It's like, is this what you intended? Do you like Jackson? Is he a means to an end? Do you regret this? (laughs) (laughs) And drink. What magic do you know? (laughs) Yes, yeah. Because that might be interesting. Um, I would sit down... I've got to know whether Hayes is actually a sociopath. (laughs) I I, I want to know what he was actually like. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. Yeah. There's that sociopathic question, isn't there? You can ask somebody. What? Is it, your child has just died. Do you think it was a splendid trip? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because if the answer's yes, then (laughs) something's not quite right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know. I I think maybe Hayes. um, Garfield, maybe? Just ask him if he needs any help <laughs> a band-aid do we need to poke your <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no one's inserted a finger in it for at least half an hour so yeah i, I don't know jerry who, who are you talking to if you're going back in time well you can probably guess harrison well yeah yeah no i, but, I can
2: guess but besides harrison i'd <laughs> have to say um I'd have to say John Adams would be interesting just to to see, um, you know, was he really as curmudgeonly as he sometimes comes (laughs) across
1: as. (laughs) Yeah.
2: But then, you know, you get like Jefferson was known as a conversationalist and Lincoln just to to hear him go into one of his little stories would be fascinating. Yeah. OK, then.
1: Right. Thank you, Morgan, for your question. Mm. Uh, we've got Josh Heller next. Uh, we were, I was thinking we'd just taken turns to read the questions, but I am now fascinated to hear these different accents. So, uh, go <laughs> on. Jamie. Which president reminds you the
0: most of Rob? Rob, does Jamie seem similar to any of them? I see Rob as
1: John Adams. Jamie is more of McKinley so far. I love the fact that to most Americans that would just be a Game of Thrones accent. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, of course,
3: yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really weird that the Norman accent is now like, internationally recognised as like, a good accent instead of just what people say up north. <laughs> um, right, OK. Um, oh, I didn't actually take any of that in. I was too busy. <laughs> I've got to read the question again. So you're your someone who sees more of a John Adams type. Oh, I try not to be offended by that. (laughs) Especially since the word curmudgeon was just used. Sorry about that. Um, You see, I'd like to think that I'm more of a. uh... I've got an idea. Go on, then. Who do you think? Do you know, I see more of a
0: John Quincy Adams. (laughs) <laughs> really? No, no. Yeah, you're, you're quite eloquent with words. You're you're quite
1: well spoken. I'm still um, trying to read Paradise Lost. Yes. Yeah. You're,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you're very uh very logical, very um methodical with your thinking. So I'd I, you know, put you, as that. Okay. Plus I've just seen the series. So.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to choose for you, Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> Chester <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> Yes. um, I can't help but feel if you ever found yourself as president, it was to be in no way because you tried to be (laughs) (laughs) there.
0: Wake up one morning in the White House bedroom like, how the hell did I get here? Yeah, I
1: I, I can't help but feel that would be why you became president. Yeah, probably.
0: One hell of a night drinking. Yeah.
1: And let's face it, you'd you'd enjoy the chops. um, Oh, I would. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, how about Joe? See, Joe is quite knowledgeable jerry is very knowledgeable he's american that helps he's american so he really fits with most of step these. number one step number one mm. do, do you see yourself as a particular president
2: honestly out of, out of this group the one that i probably see myself the most as is Hayes, um just because i, I try to <laughs> not not the Aww. not the potential sociopath but <laughs> um because i do try and take a more positive approach to things i'm not you know completely rose-colored glasses but i do try and look at the bright side of things and even in bad times just try and keep going also i would think if if i would become president i'd try and like hayes try and act honorably and try and do my best to serve the nation so oh
1: that's nice that's nicer than being arthur yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I or, think or John so. Adams. <laughs> well, right, we've not done McKinley yet, uh, so I know very little about him apart from his love of the old tariff. He does love a good tariff. He does. Do you, would you say Jamie's uh, McKinley? I don't see that. No,
2: don't um, do it, it it would be it would be interesting to hear why
0: he thought McKinley. Well, we're doing him in the two presidents' time, so okay. it won't be long before we yes. find out. Well, no, 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 no screw that, Josh. why am i like mckinley and what 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 things you know i don't know anything about him so it's okay it's all surprising okay so write a postcard right okay next question yeah i think we need to do question seven (laughs) because this has been (laughs) yes very much researched by (laughs) rob i have i know the answer to question seven Uh, (laughs) kevin w luby luby i apologize for (laughs) butchering your name
1: you're thinking of an accent, Oh, I really am. <laughs> You've done the two you can do. You're right
0: there. What is the square root of minus nine?
1: <laughs> Kevin the Scottish pirate. <laughs> yeah. Glaswegian pirate. Well, Kevin, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because, as we all know, a square number is any number multiplied by itself. Yeah? hmm We're happy with that. So, a square root is the, is the reverse... So, for example, 2 times 2 equals 4. The square root, therefore, of 4 is 2. Are we all happy? Yes. Okay. I agree with that. However, if you multiply any two numbers, including negative numbers, you always end up with a positive answer. So it is impossible to get a real number for an answer to the square root of a minus number. However, there's more. Because, drank him, however, you can use imaginary numbers notated with an i. Usually, so if we say that the square root of minus one is equal to i, then the square root of minus nine would, of course, be three i. Oh, that is beautiful. So, fantastic. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you for your question, uh, and I hope you've enjoyed the answer. Rilling. <laughs> <laughs> presidential
2: history at its best. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think yeah. it's very important. <laughs> Right, I'm going to go for... Oh, this doesn't have a number because I've done it wrong. Um, 8.5, a question by Brian McAlpine. (laughs) 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 Yes. uh, (laughs) You you might, whilst you're doing your accent, either sense a part of it or do such a heavy accent you can't actually understand one of those words. Oh, I'll, I'll do Battlestar Galactica. Okay. That means nothing to me. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so, 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 Brian, uh, number 8.5, says, uh, play frack, marry, kill with Johnson, Buchanan, and Tyler. Good one. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. The controversial mining technique. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Pressurize those rocks <laughs> with fluid. Right, so I need to marry Johnson, Buchanan, or Tyler kill Johnson Buchanan or Tyler or go mining with him. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Okay. I think we can do this. Uh, (laughs) Who wants to start? (laughs) I don't want to start. (laughs) If if I had to, I'd probably marry Tyler. He has got a massive gun. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that will come into use if you're doing some mining with him. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, marry Tyler gone.
2: I I'm going to say kill Johnson
1: Yeah, I'm killing Johnson I'm, I'm doing that.
0: Johnson is dead
1: Yeah, Johnson's gone Buchanan, you know what, I'm marrying Buchanan Because he was an awful president But he did Like a party occasionally And had yes. a very fine silk handkerchief collection well, there And we go. Uh, <laughs> That's something to talk about On the long true. winter evenings yeah, yeah
2: yeah, uh, yeah. I, i'm i'm not sure that i would want tyler to hang out so you know let, let's go ahead and go mining and that's it
3: okay
1: yeah. okay are we that's all agreeing then system. so johnson's dead buchanan we're marrying and tyler's down the mine shaft i'm willing to make that sacrifice yes <laughs> <laughs> okay great uh do you want to choose a question next jerry yes let's see how about let's go with number 11 Question by Max Condrat.
0: Max Condrat. How's your Welsh? Well, oh, yeah. what is your favourite. No. <laughs> no. No. Not even Down close. Edinburgh. <laughs> You're yeah, right, what is your favourite quote from Hayes' diary that you weren't able to fit into his episodes? <laughs>
1: Um, This is an easy one to answer. There are no favourite quotes from Hayes' diaries that I did not fit into the (laughs) episode. Every time I found one, uh, I put one in. Um, I did not read all of his diaries from cover to cover. I just did not have time to do that uh, in the time frame that I put the research together. So what I would do is I'd uh, find out an event had happened, uh, such as the death of a child. uh, Find out when it happened, and then look up the diary entry just on the off chance he'd said something ridiculous and at, it was at least i'd say 60 70% of the time i found a really good quote brilliant. every time i di- dived into that diary when i have more time i am definitely reading his diaries cover to cover uh, because they were great um, but yeah it was it's just it's brilliant if you if you've not just had a dive in, just uh, just pick a random day and just read it and see what's going on. It's great, and it's it's just online for free. Just type it into Google, and there you go. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, no new stories, no. Though, which is a shame. Go on Rob, what, what number do you want? It's quite a long one. Do you do you want to read all of that question out in a weird accent? Number three.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've got the accent for
1: For the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So uh, question three, uh,
0: Harley Burton. Hi, guys. Loving the show so far. Was wondering what was the most surprising thing, pleasant or otherwise, you've learned from all this. Mine is probably just how racist everyone was back then. Even a lot of the anti slavery folks. I know, different time, obviously, but damn!
1: <laughs> okay, um, yeah, this is a, a question similar to Will Ternan's uh, question, um, who, uh, mentioned that. They found the sheer scale of corruption being quite surprising as well. Yeah. yeah. Most surprising thing? I think for me it's the... the how normal
0: slavery was for people. Like, e- even people in the North, I was like, they knew it happened and probably weren't happy with it morally, but it was almost accepted as it's a thing. It was part of the economy. It kept the country going and it was just very almost brushed under the carpet for, so, for something that was so barbaric. I Because we all know slavery happened, it's just I didn't realise how
1: bad it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to the, the how racist everyone was back then, uh, especially the anti-slavery folks, uh, I, I think I, I understand that. You, you kind of get the feeling, if you haven't looked into it in much detail, you assume the anti-slavery uh, people were also anti-racist, and that just really wasn't the case. Uh, A lot of people were anti-slavery because they didn't want to be priced out of the job market, which Mm -hmm. uh, isn't something I'd really thought about before, although I wouldn't say it surprised me because it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, But what I will say is uh, this idea of everyone being racist back then, there was a lot of racism back then, But I'd argue there's a lot of racism today. Oh, yeah. And there were a lot of people back then who were not racist.
3: Mm.
1: Uh, I I think it's uh, slightly dangerous to uh, say that we should be judging it on the the morality of the time. Well, whose morality? Uh, There were a lot of people who were in America who were not racist. Yeah. A lot of black people, for example, who did not think that they should be slaves. Hmm. Uh, So should we really be judging the morality of the day based on a few rich white people? Uh, I'm not convinced it would be a bit like someone judging my morality based on Boris Johnson or Donald Trump.
2: Well, and, and to your point, Rob, part of the thing that we have to keep in mind when we're studying history is who is writing the history? Because there are so many people, especially in those times, whose voices are lost, who didn't know how to read or write, who weren't able to have things published or whose writings haven't survived to this time. So we have to be cognizant of that and careful about painting a broad picture of, well, Everybody was racist. Well, A, we have instances where no, there were people who, who by our, our definition of racist, were not. Um, but then we have so many people that we just, we don't know. We have to assume based on what information we have in the present day.
1: This uh, links to uh, Mark Gregor, who uh, said perhaps we'd been too harsh on uh, some of our judgments on the presidents, uh, because we were looking at it through a modern lens, uh, and the presidents were racist by today's standards, but back then they weren't. Uh, I, I I personally don't think we've been too harsh here, no. and this is something I've thought about a lot, mm. and it, it's tricky to do, especially in what's meant to be a fun, light-hearted historical podcast. <laughs> uh But I I think it's important that you do stop and think about this. Yeah. And let's take Jefferson, for example. Jefferson's views were common, um, but they weren't the only views at the time. It wasn't everyone writing actual books about how certain races were inferior to others. And at the same time, you've got the likes of Lafayette, who was physically going around the world trying to free slaves. Um, Both of them aristocratic white men both of them, very different opinions. So who's to say which one yeah. was the morality of the time? Uh, so I I personally don't think we've been too harsh on the presidents from the early times. Um, I don't know, Jerry, what what, what are your thoughts? Well,
2: and especially, and I think that the um, the example of Jefferson is an important one, and it's one that historians have been grappling with for a long time. You know, here we have Jefferson who writes that all men are created equal but he clearly in his other writings has this different view about certain men about certain people that just it's hard for us to grasp how could these two ideas this great concept of of equality but then this idea of racism exists in the same mind. And to your point, we have people today that still have some of these same ideas. This hasn't gone away. Mm. But what has happened is an expansion of a general idea of humanity, of of society coming together and starting to ask some of the, the tough questions because, and with Jefferson and his generation, there were so many of the leaders who just said, okay, we realize slavery is an issue. We're just not going to deal with it because we can't figure it out. I think you see in history, the, the people who stand out as people that we can admire, as people that we can find ourselves drawn towards are the people who say, you know, I've realized that this is a monumental challenge. Lincoln. Yeah. And he does it anyway. He's like, this is my responsibility. I'm not going to just he he could easily have said, well, okay, we're two nations now. And he said, no, Mm -hmm. no, we're going to become we are one nation. We just need to get back there. We need to to figure out a new a new union a new and and that was that was the bigger ass that was the the challenge but he took it up versus people like jefferson who just didn't and and so i think that you're very fair in criticizing leaders for not accepting a challenge that they knew was a challenge they knew this was a problem um Even as early as Washington, you see people talking about, well, the nation's probably going to split apart. Oh, slavery is a bad thing. We need to deal with it. And in that time, they didn't. The nation fell apart. It took a long time. It took many decades. It took another generation. But the nation fell apart because they didn't take on the challenge.
1: Yeah, um, and that—that that is why Lincoln stands out. It was—it was hard. Yeah, but he—but he did it. I, I think if you run the the risk if you go too far down the the line of, uh, you shouldn't judge people in the past by today's standards. Uh, you're almost infantilizing the past. They didn't know any better. How could they possibly have understood? So, Absolutely. No, these were. These were very intelligent people who did know what was going on. Absolutely.
2: And Uh, and to, to Jamie's point from earlier, that is one thing that we, we also have to be aware of that slavery. It wasn't just, Oh, well, I'm just going to free my slaves now. I'm just going to free the people that I'm enslaving. It was, there was economics wrapped up in it. There were legalities. There was an entire institution of slavery that that permeate it through the entire culture. And I think that that's, it, it is a very surprising thing for, for some individuals from the modern day to look back on and, and really try and grasp just how much of an institution this was. Mm-hmm. And then it, it comes to, you understand, the the monumental task to, take down that institution to dismantle it, but it happened. you know the, the, there were there are vestiges of it that still last to this day and racism being one of the, the key parts of that, we still have we're still grap- grappling with issues of racial inequity, of social injustice, but we don't have, we've been able to start dismantling some of that system but it's still a a big challenge and and we do need to recognize that but not discount people who realized that this was a problem and just ignored it
1: yeah that was a that was a deep question that was yeah i think we should uh that's brought the mood down i think we should continue with the very serious questions and go for 24 oh yeah
0: (laughs) very serious Tony Theker. if Grover Cleveland left the White House at 12.15 travelling at 15 miles per an hour and Chester A. Arthur left Congress building at 1pm travelling at 20 miles an hour at what time would they pass each other? Rob have you thought about this question at all?
1: Well don't worry Tony I've thought about this question Oh good The answer <laughs> No problem Tony uh, The answer is 1pm 1, 1, 1 What? The answer is 1pm There you go Do you want more detail? No, that'll do. Thank you. Does Tony want more detail?
0: Well, yes, actually, I could do that. I can (laughs) see you've written quite a lot wrong.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you've asked, Tony. Because the most direct route uh, from the Congress Building to the White House is Pennsylvania Avenue, according to Google Maps, the quickest way to walk is 1.8 miles, although this does take you through private roads. But I figure Cleveland and Arthur will have access to those private roads, what with them being the President. So, this walk usually takes about 30 to 40 minutes. However, that's walking at the average speed of around 3 miles an hour. Now according to you, Tony, Cleveland is really pushing it today, because he's going fifteen miles an hour. He's building up a sweat, isn't he? (laughs) he It's quite impressive. I don't know if he's meant to be in a carriage, but he's going on the footpaths in my. I think he's running. So he is legging it. (laughs) There is clearly an emergency going on (laughs) in the Congress building. Tie coming loose. (laughs) Moustache blowing in the wind. So Because he is going so fast, it is only going to take him 7 minutes and 12 seconds to get to the Congress building. He will arrive at precisely 12, 22, and 12 seconds. Now, as the question does not stipulate what Cleveland is going to do at the Congress building, I'm assuming the emergency was something to do with the doors collapsing. (laughs) Uh, Because when he gets to the building, he stops at the door to check the frame, using his, like, frame checker that he's got. Yeah. He was well known for that. Yeah. Um, he was then, quite detailed. Yeah, exactly. Mm. He was. It was those little, it's the minutiae with him, wasn't it? Frame Checker Arthur was his nickname. I well, uh, well, now we get to Arthur. We're talking about Cleveland. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good old Frame Checker Cleveland. Yeah, well, Arthur's also now coming down because we also know Arthur. He, he likes a door frame or two. Uh, and mm. when he leaves the Congress building at precisely one o'clock, he will walk directly past Cleveland checking the door frame. <laughs> at 1pm. So, there you go. Tony, I, I hope that you uh, like the answer. Oh, Jamie, don't question the maths. No, no, no. no, no. But <laughs> Jamie, says, Jamie is looking confused.
0: Because it says Chester Arthur left the Congress building and travelling at 20 miles an hour.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was going really quick. <laughs> but, but he didn't stop to say hello. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Okay. He just like, bolted out of the door. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, and obviously Cleveland's already, like, at the entrance. Yeah, address, okay, I'm with
2: you. Cleveland was to the side checking the door
1: frame.
0: Yeah, okay, got
1: that. All I can say <laughs> is I am really, really pleased that Tony didn't take the time to make sure that one of them wouldn't already <laughs> arrive at the other building, because otherwise this would have been <laughs> a nightmare to solve. And <laughs> the first vestibule. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> um, how are we doing for time? Probably two or three more questions. Yeah. Um ah oh. going <laughs> Okay. Suspense. Okay. Number 19. <laughs> Number 19 this is John from Twitter. Oh. Have you tried a New York accent? No. Can you do a New York accent? Oh, I can try, but can it's you, not going to work. Can you do a Louisiana accent? Because we've got one of them on the that's, line. That's Southern, is it? Oh! Oh! Owen's oh, getting offending. <laughs> I think that ship
0: has sailed a long time. <laughs> <laughs> who has the now? Be- no. <laughs> who, who has the best facial hair among the presidents so far? is that louis no that's not Louisiana. that's the same as the last accent that's my american accent who wears the best feet no same one who
1: <laughs> has the best no
0: <laughs> british and posh.
1: that wasn't meant to be louisiana was it i don't know i don't know what it is <laughs>
0: Um, throw, throw in a little fiddle d dee <laughs> fiddle dee <laughs> Who has oh. the best facial hair among the presidents so far? Can Cancelability score be damned.
1: No, same accent as before. I only <laughs> um, ask this... Um, be- Peaky Blinders. That, that's become big in America, hasn't it? Do you know what I'm saying when I say Peaky Blinders? London. Yes. <laughs> you do? Yeah, so Peaky Blinders <laughs> is big enough that it's hit America. That's a Birmingham accent. A oh, Birmingham? Yeah. Nice.
0: For me. Yeah, all right. Who has the best facial hair among the presidents so far? Can canvas ability score be damned. I only ask this because they both seem to give extra weight to the solid beard and moustache going back to Roman times. That's all more more Liverpoolian.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that because I live in Birmingham and no one speaks like
0: that. <laughs> We're doing the Beatles instead.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. The old Liverpool slash Birmingham accent. Um, Twist and shout. Again, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> so I'm going to read the question myself. Right, facial hair. Right, okay. Who's got the best beard moustache combo? Right. Well we've got some we've got We've got hard data for this. Yeah, I actually printed off some pictures. I've come prepared for this one. Ooh. So facial hair, I mean it all begins with Lincoln. Uh and then I mean Johnson, what was the point in him? He didn't bother. But then we got Grant with his neat beard. And then Hayes. Oh Hayes is just an impressively big beard. Uh Grant is nice and chunky. Do you know who we're missing? Van Buren, look at his
0: chops. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. That's a good point. Even, even Quincy Adams, actually. not.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, wouldn't, I...
0: I wouldn't sniff at them.
1: <laughs> They'd get angry. I might catch flea. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> no, Van, Van Buren's uh, sideburns are hugely impressive. They are. Yeah, they're just spiky. They're fantastic. Do you know, I still can't go over Pierce. Looking at that photograph, woof. Or do you not remember a young Hayes? Young Hayes is definitely I remember Young Hayes, but so far. He, he looks oh, yeah. like
0: Stephen Mangan. He really does. <laughs>
1: um, oh, You know what? I, I think... I know because these are photos, not their presidential I know, portraits. this is more accurate, isn't it? Yeah. I, I was going to say, why did Van Buren not score higher? Because, oh, that's because this is a photo of him and he looks insane in this photo. Hayes has got a badass beard. Um, right, facial hair. I am going for... I'm going for Van Buren's sideburns. Wow. Yeah. Curve. I know, not even in the bearded area. Area <laughs> era is what I meant to say there. Do you know? I think I'm going for
0: Hayes. Hayes. I've mm. forgotten how good his beard was. It is a good beard. You could put a bird nest in there.
2: <laughs> you could, and he would find it splendid. <laughs> yes, it, it would be a jolly day for Hayes if he ended
1: up with a bird's nest. <laughs> they, they would sing splendid. with him in the forest as he walked, skipped, skipped through the forest. They'd be tweeting on his shoulders. Oh, turtles. whistle while you work. <laughs> the band that he commanded in the army were behind him oh yeah oh let's see i'm
2: trying to think this is a tough choice um because arthur also has the the distinctive sideburns but in terms of a beard i would have to say Hayes. oh yes
1: is a good beard. Yeah, it is, it is, a, is good a good beard. I suppose if you're being strict with normal facial hair, if I'm choosing beard, it's got to be Hayes's beard. But,
0: but the sideburns and bamboo, oh, and I've damn. forgotten how amazing they were. Oh, yes. Good. You could glass for those.
1: <laughs> um, quick one. Question 21.
0: <laughs> From Chris Haywood
1: <laughs> Was Dr. Doctor, Doctor a Jeffy Annis, as I Suspect? Um, if you don't listen to our Roman series, that will make no sense, or if you didn't understand what Jason was. Or is it a Jeffy Anus? <laughs> was Doctor Doctor a Jeffy Anus, as I suspect? Um the the ads simple, yes. Yes he was. He yeah. was. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to our Roman series. Uh but yes, he was definitely a Jeffy Anus. Yeah. let's uh let's go for a more serious one. Um so this is Ibn Babushka. Um Cockney. Cockney. You're right.
0: What role did the last seven presidents play in seizing native land, waging the Indian Wars? Did the army, or Thomas, or Tom—I'm from London, don't know that word—did the army do it on their own, <laughs> pursue that, or was there a top-down plan, long-term project that happened mostly in this period, with federal direction that hadn't been heard of much of it? Sorry to be grim. What do you think, Jerry? <laughs>
1: We have such a ridiculous podcast. (laughs) So,
2: So, yeah, this is a, it's a complex question. And again, it's one of those things that up until I'd say probably the last 30 or 40 years didn't really get as much attention when talking about presidential history as it's received since, um, because it it is an awful story. Um, It was definitely... I won't necessarily say a top-down plan, but there, but all parts of the federal government were aware of what was going on and and were contributing to the policy towards Native Americans. Um, and so, talking about the the last seven presidents, so that gets us back um, from Cleveland back to Lincoln. So during this time. So Native Americans, I mean, whole nations of Native Americans had been forced to relocate to land reserves. So they didn't have as much land as they had previously, and just the delineated nature of the reservations was detrimental to their culture. And one thing to note here, uh, because we think of the the Trail of Tears as being one of the the most well-known examples, but in some instances there were... Native American nations from the West Coast that were relocated further inland. Um, When I was doing a little research to prepare for this question, um, one of the examples I came up with was the Modoc, who were moved from what's now California to Oklahoma. And this movement of whole nations of people didn't take, take into account that there are people already in these lands. And so this created conflict because lands were taken from others at the expense of these other people who were already there. And so it created conflicts between native American nations and peoples that hadn't previously existed. Um, Plus, on top of that, and especially as we're getting past the Civil War, but even before that, um, we were still in a period of westward expansion of white settlers. So, all these people had been moved from what was seen as the "quote unquote" prime lands on the east coast, on the west coast, moved inland. When those lands started filling up, or they weren't as affordable. People were moving inland and saying, well, we want this land now. And so, again, you have people being relocated off their land. And the government did very much help to facilitate this. Um, On top of that, you see, and especially after the Civil War, you see the transcontinental railroads going in. So you now have not only settlers, but you have technology that's encroaching on the ways of life of people who had been there for generations, who were used to having um, animals migrating across the Great Plains. And now you've got railroads in the way, you've got land being fenced off, you have this disruption in just the natural way of life of those lands. Um, and in this period, um, you know, 1865 on, there were different responses to what to do about this encroachment. Um, at this point, there was a movement uh, called the Ghost Dance Movement, which is more of a Um, it was a religious movement, and it was, some Native Americans turned to movements like this for a sense of peace in the face of such devastation. You know, their entire culture, their communities were being disrupted, and they needed some sense of peace, so they turned to this religious movement in order to find that solace. But you see others that are fighting back. And so we get what is now referred to as the, the Indian Wars. And even though there were some victories for Native Americans, Native American forces at, this, at these times, um, ultimately it was unsuccessful. And the U.S. government was very much involved with, this wasn't just the army going out and saying, no, well, let's go and fight these people. They were typically directed to do so by the government mm. in Washington. You also have civilian agencies like the Bureau of Indian Affairs, um, which was created by our old friend John C. Calhoun um, during his tenure as Secretary of War under Monroe. Um, The Bureau of Indian Affairs had started. It was more directing um, trade with Native American nations, but under Jackson, it became more heavily involved in the removal of Native nations. And then you see this emphasis on assimilation. You know, we, we don't necessarily want to destroy you, but you've got to be more like us. You've got to adapt our culture, our ways of being. And that is just as disruptive in terms of culture and society as this this physical disruption, as, as a military intervention. Um... And so it's a very, it, it was very much a part of the government at the time. And really, you don't see in terms of the political parties at the time, you don't see much, people kind of felt that this was okay. They had different approaches to it, like with Clay versus Jackson. Jackson was very much for removal, but Clay, he didn't really want removal, but he, he was okay with assimilation. And so again, it's, it's one of those complicated issues that, you know, even people who you would think, oh, well, you know, that they don't want to kill this, these, this entire groups, these entire groups of people, but they, they really weren't what we would think of nowadays as being more progressive or, or, more diverse and inclusionary
3: Mm.
1: it is um, it's an area that I'm very aware uh, we have glossed over in recent times Um, yeah because unfortunately the way we are doing uh, biographical stories of presidents it's something that is very hard to neatly fit into our style episodes which did really bug me for a while until I came to peace with it because in my head I now have several episodes lined up of other biographies that we can cover in the future when we have finished The Presidents. Where well, I'm hoping we can cover some non-presidents and we can see the other side of some things that are going on. So, uh, yeah, so if you're listening and you're, you're hoping for more of uh, just what is happening uh, with the Native Americans and, w- and what happened, we are definitely planning to do something at some point. Uh, because it's like you said, Jerry, it's, it's uh, a huge story of American history that is often underlooked.
2: Yeah. Well, and and for so long, it it was kind of, it was not really talked about when talking about presidencies. You know, there may be like a brief mention here or there, mm. but post-1812 you see the frontier moving ever farther west. And so it was it was one of those things that was happening out there. and Yeah. It wasn't really in the day-to-day conversations in Washington. There weren't really debates over it. And so it is easy in terms of where the attentions of the people of the time, the leaders of the time, were. They weren't really on that, but it was this massive tragedy in history that was happening at the same time as all these other events it's just it's a matter of perspective
3: Mm.
1: okay let's uh let's go for a couple more then to finish off um 16 (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah number 16 Nicely self-validating. says, Northlandsman, but I'll just point out Jason McDonald had a similar question. There were a couple of people asking this question. <laughs> Fifty.
0: <laughs> How do you prevent burnout as teachers and podcasters? What does Jamie actually do other than songs?
1: Obviously accents. Accents, yeah. yeah.
0: Moral, support.
1: Moral support. You can do it, Rob. Useful.
0: Thank you, Jamie. Jerry, well done. That's... Thank Stella you, sir. performance today. Thank yeah. you. There you go. See? Lots of things.
1: <laughs> How do I prevent burnout as a teacher and podcast? It helps I only work four days a week. Um, there's no way we could do weekly releases uh, if I did five days a week teaching. Um, I'm a real teacher. I do five days a week. Yeah. Well, some of us have podcast stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, uh, Know. I, I, this would not be possible without Jamie. It wouldn't. It would be me talking to myself. <laughs> it would it's be like, very you know, you boring. You know when people
0: buy a puppy because they're lonely? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like that. Probably <laughs> got someone to talk to on the dark, cold winter nights.
1: Exactly. And tell
0: Roman and American facts
1: too. It would be a very lonely <laughs> life if I couldn't come round to Jamie's once a week and just say history at him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um... Uh, but I, as as for the burnout, um, I drink. <laughs> I uh, the good Romans, answer. <laughs> the Roman series, we are now one hundred and thirty emperors in, and I still get to a new emperor, pick up the book, start reading about them, and I just want to know what's going to happen next. Uh, because we've reached a period in Roman history where I know very little about it at all. We started off in a place where I knew, but we soon got past that. Uh, So I'm learning at the same time, and that keeps me going. I must admit, the American one is harder to do. uh, Significantly harder to do. um, Because there's a lot more to research. Uh, A lot of what you're researching is just quite depressing a lot of the time. (laughs) That makes you just want to go, I just want some funny stories to tell. Uh, But no, everyone's just trying to kill people because they look different to them. Yeah, uh, but saying that, I'm I'm still keeping going because, again, it's that moving story onwards. What's going to happen next? And I I very much decided, let's do an American series after Trump got elected. (laughs) And I wanted to know how did America get here? <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. So I, I'm looking forward to catching up, which the Roman one won't, because that yeah. will just end at some point. Whereas this one, we're going to get to the modern times and and either go, wow, where did that come from? Or, oh no, I now understand exactly why we're here. I it think we'll it now that. makes sense. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just getting to the end there is uh, what I'm looking forward to doing. Jerry, how about you? I mean... You, you, running a podcast do you ever get that kind of uh well you what i will say about your podcast is uh, the detail is insane and (laughs) it's it's sometimes i end up in a rabbit hole and i have to get out of it you seem to live in the rabbit hole with the rabbits (laughs) because pretty much (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's 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 so comprehensive do you do you ever just go no i i need to move on now um or do you just love getting all of the all of the details in?
2: Well, and it's interesting. and, and kind of getting to um, starting with the broader scope, um, I've had numerous folks that have approached me and asked about podcasting. They were interested in possibly starting a podcast. And one of the things that I advise, make sure that it's something that you're really interested in. If it's going to be something that's ongoing, where it's going to be a lengthy series, Make sure that it's something that you're really passionate about and you're interested in because otherwise you will get to that point. Well, I really don't want to do this. It's taking up a lot of my time. I don't really I, I don't know if people are listening. Because there's so many there's so many diversions that people can take and take you away from the work of podcasting. So I think you really do have to have that passion or you just have to say, I just want to do a, a six-episode series or I just want to do something quick. But if you're if you're going to go for a longer series, you have to be in it for the long haul. And so for me, the delving into the details for me is what draws me to it and keeps me coming back to it. Um, being able to get to some of those details that really make people people and taking this from not just being the story about you know this larger than life figure that everybody knows but knows little about let's bring it down to well what were they like as a person who were the people that were important to them who didn't they like why didn't they like them what happened um Getting to those details, that's what keeps me going and has kept me going for now over three years and i I don't see an end in sight <laughs> yeah
1: I, it's it is the one of the hardest things I find is uh having to go right that's really important, but we do not have time to cover that. so if we don't have time to cover that, I might as well not mention this or this as well even though I know they're important. And I feel like every episode, uh what I discuss with Jamie is probably about 10, 15% of what I've researched. And then what's edited of that, usually it's down to about 10%. But it's so that narrative can keep going forward. So that's what we exactly. as a, a, a podcast have decided to do. What I really enjoy about your podcast is it doesn't, have to move forward at that speed. So you do get that much better sense of what's going on. Um, Exactly. But, and and even with that, I
2: still have some points where I I realize I'm getting too much into, you know, what's going on in Spain, what's going on in (laughs) French history at this time. I, I do have to draw myself back in certain instances and say, okay, well, this is what we really need to know for the the american presidency at that time and so i can't go down every rabbit hole but i try and make sure that the ones that i go down are really key or, or tell something that
1: people may not know otherwise right i think i think we'll end on a very serious question the last one question eight christopher fitch <laughs> do you have one more accent in you oh <laughs> let me just cross my legs for this one <laughs> um accents
0: i don't know that many accents i just do the same one again and again you could do the same ah
1: g'day <laughs> it's your ostrogoth accent
0: yeah Struth, <laughs> truth which story made you cringe more than pierce's cell story or garfield and his probings that's oh, Australian. Don't know where that went. <laughs> North Australian. Very very unique. Central. Central Australia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Alice Springs. Very, you don't often hear the accent. <laughs> you don't.
1: Um, okay, so we've got Pierce's stat- saddle story. So just to remind listeners if they've Ooh. forgotten. Um, he was thrown forward in his saddle and... Um, things came loose. Yeah. Uh, it's certain things connected with the pommel. And no one wants... To Certain things to connect with the pommel. Yeah, a bit of of grinding. It it was so hard that it actually knocked him unconscious. (laughs) 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 And he fell off his horse. Well, you Um, would, wouldn't you? You really would. (laughs) Uh, so there's that. Then obviously Garfield. I don't think we need to go into Garfield. I think all listeners will remember that episode for a while. Holes and time. fingers. In that's fact, what when me. asking what your favourite moments were, the top two were Eva Garfield and his probing, yeah. or, or Lincoln's turkeys, Interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, however, I think you've missed one here. Yeah,
2: I, I was actually about to say, I think there's one that needs to be in this mix.
1: Yeah, go on then. Polk. Oh yes! <laughs> was that the operation he had? Oh yes! Was, oh, yes. that. Oh yes! Ooh. okay. That, that came flooding back. Oh, that that was uh, sort of lift them out of the way whilst I go in. <laughs> oh. 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 oh, here's your brandy.
0: Here's <coughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> your brandy in a Bible.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say. Who would I rather be out of those three? Oh, I'd rather god. I'd rather be Pierce. I don't want to be Pierce, but out of those three, I'd rather be Pierce. At um, least he was knocked out. Exactly, and um, he survived to tell the tale. And
0: yeah, uh, children as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a sad story. Um, oh god! Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but for just cringing yeah polks made me cringe the most uh i don't think i cringed much with garfield because i spent a, a two solid weeks of my life just reading about this uh, awful experience he went through i think i just became desensitized to it i, I think hearing it as well it was, it was a shock
0: of the not incompetence of the doctors i be <laughs> unfair because that was their knowledge yeah
1: but the, the the difference in, obviously, medical... But the fact that Cleveland routine. had his jaw replaced, like, a few years later on a yacht. Yes. And they didn't blink an eye. It's like, yeah, we'll whip that out, put a new one in, no yeah. problem. On a boat, sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> Grow a <laughs> beard, <you'll> be fine. <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about you, Jerry? Who would you be? I,
2: I, I'm i with you. I, I would definitely opt for Pierce, but... In terms of cringing, the Polk story—it—it still I, I can't think of Polk without thinking of that story now. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> its not good. It, it's that like pained expression in his, uh, his uh, presidential pic, painting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a shocked. Expression.
1: You can see it. You can see it in the eyes. Yeah, it's yes. deep in the eyes, but you can see it. It never went away. Yeah. But with Garfield,
2: it—it, it, yeah, I'm 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 kind of like you, Rob. I. I, I know the story well enough now, but even and I was trying to think of whenever I first heard about that, it's it just seems awful, but it just doesn't seem as cringeworthy
1: as as Polk or even Pierce. Mm. And I know it shouldn't be funny, <laughs> but there are elements to that story that just are funny, <laughs> maybe that just makes me a bad person. His doctor was called it, it, Dr. Doctor Doctor. <laughs> oh. The the whole thing just does seem like a farce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was. It became farcical. Uh, it must have been awful to live through for everyone concerned. But uh, through, through time, it, it has just become ridiculous.
2: And the fact that it lasted so
1: oh, long. So, long, so long. Oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah. But medicine had got to the point where they could prolong his suffering for as long as possible. <laughs>
0: yeah. Just imagine him in his bed like, thanks guys! <laughs> <laughs> nice knowing you! <laughs> what oozing. Oh, nasty. I think we- they kept doing it as well, didn't they? It's yeah. like the infection. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. poke it some more, yeah, let's yeah.
1: get rid of it. It just kept yeah. going. Oh. W- without spoilers, it- <laughs> are there any other cringe worthy stories that you know of without spoiling them? Should we prepare for any? Oh gosh. Um
2: I don't I, I off the top of my head I'm not recalling anything along those lines. There there are a few instances that I'm gonna be interested to see and especially Jamie's reaction to them is <laughs> is gonna be good to hear. <laughs> but I, I think in terms of, of cringeworthy, I can't think of anything off the top of my head.
1: Okay, right, we have no more time for questions. Thank you very much for everyone who sent in questions, though uh, I did enjoy the questions. They were amusing... Insulting and brilliant, so thank you. Well, your accents were insulting. I think that was the insulting oh, part. highly, yes. highly uh, I am now very disappointed, though, if your accents weren't spot on. So please, if we read your question out, give Jamie a rank out of 10 of how close he was to your accent. Yeah. Uh, that would be brilliant. And if I was slightly out, tell me how many miles out I, were, I was. <laughs> on the moon. <laughs> yeah um right okay jerry thank you very much for joining us again it is always a pleasure to talk to you and just mind your your mind for knowledge <laughs> of the president Track your mind <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: well, thank you so much for having me um as always this is great and looking forward to see seeing how the next half goes and um like i said i've already got some stories in mind that i can't wait to hear jamie's reaction
1: brilliant that sounds good
0: would you be willing to join us for uh, the end of the series as well for another summary
1: absolutely Yay. fantastic that would be great right well um let's do let's do a three-way sign off never done one of those before
3: yeah
0: okay uh, don't forget you can download some poppy itunes and stitcher nope don't forget you can download <laughs> some poppy
1: on and itunes <laughs> because you never organised Stitcher for, for the president one. No. Nope. Because, because we don't know what Stitcher is. No, I'm not entirely I, sure. I have no idea. Never used it. No. Oh well. Can listen to our Roman episodes on Stitcher though.
0: And don't think you can download the president's <laughs> You say it i 'cause I'm I'm forgetting how to speak. I don't know what you're saying. Jerry's
1: podcast. Oh, you're just pointing at the microphone. That's <laughs> where Jerry is. <laughs> okay, me <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry Jerry promote your own podcast <laughs> go for it.
2: <clears throat> and I hope you'll check out the Presidency's podcast uh which is available anywhere fine podcasts can be found. Um I'm also available on Facebook, uh Twitter and Instagram.
1: Okay then. Until next time then all that needs to be said is goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Tragedy in history that was happening at the same time as all these other events it's just it's a matter of perspective are you still there? can you hear us?
1: hello? no I think he has gone (laughs) Jerry! Jerry come back Jerry (laughs) we've lost you (laughs) how long were you speaking until you realised we weren't here? (laughs) I I think it was about a minute or so. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough.